Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream, the show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. Thank you once again for listening and tuning in. It's uh, great to be with you again, and it's great to say hello to you up there in Queensland, virtually, Jamie, on the video that I can watch you on. How are you? Roscoe, I'm very well, thank you. Good to see you again. And uh, stunning backdrop you have uh, for this episode. Tell me more about what uh, what that hallway is behind you. Well, um, thanks for asking, Jamie, and... One of the things in, in week one of uh, our Melbourne Stage 4 lockdown things uh, that, that I've been on my list of cleaning up to do is my files. And I was going through some of my uh, digital files and photographs from some of the golf courses that I've been lucky enough to uh, to, to see, and I found this one. And I liked that, and I thought, oh, I like that for a back, backdrop, a background for the Zoom. It yeah. is in Scotland, naturally, yeah. and it is in the Trump Turnbury uh, entryway to the toilets, but I just right. I just thought that that was a nice run of um, photographic memorabilia. I thought I'd put that back up there and uh, and see, and it obviously yeah, yeah. It catches your eye. So anyone yeah, that watches great. anyone that watches this on the video will see the backdrop. There you go, Jamie. I mentioned there one of the things that I've been doing in you know this fairly restrictive time of our Melbourne based lockdown, and for those yeah. that are listening around the world, I think it's pretty obvious what that means because you've either been through it yourself and uh, or in a various level of that. You know, you're up there in Queensland, which has certainly been a different environment to what we've experienced down there. But I get the sense, Jamie, that, you know, in you being away from Melbourne, you know, you, you've sort of been disconnected from what we're going through, but you've felt very much part of it. And I can feel the empathy that you've had towards us Melburnians, you know, you being up there. Has that been watching what's happening here in, you know, what – I guess we can say still is your hometown, but won't yeah. be for much longer. How does that feel? Yeah, look, it's um, definitely spot on there, Roscoe, because obviously a lot of my friends and family are still in Melbourne and speaking to them and just hearing hearing them speak and, and hearing their voice, you know, every three or four days, how much of an impact this whole stage four lockdown is having on them. It's It's really got me thinking a lot just, you know, about how people are managing and coping with this, stage four lockdown and, and just in general, even people that aren't in stage four lockdown, the impact that COVID's having on them, their families, their business, their work, like their financial situation, you know, it's been a very, very stressful year for a lot of us. And I think, you know, one thing that I, when I reached out to you yesterday and said, look, I want to do a podcast around sort of just overall mental health and well-being is that we live with so much stress from day to day in the era in which we live in and we don't even notice it half the time. We just accept that this is just part of, of our life and that we have to deal with it and we live with stress. And But a lot of people don't have a lot of strategies to help manage it or, more importantly, diffuse it. And I thought, you know, it'd be a really good time just to touch on some of these subjects and some of these processes just to help people to manage that mental health during, you know, probably one of the hardest times of their life. Yeah, you're right. And you don't have to turn the TV on or the news or read a, you know, any of the, the media for too long to come across an article that is talking about how these times affect affect us. And I think, 
you know, if I reflect myself, yes, you're right. You know, our ability to deal with this additional stress is increasing. It's increasing because like any skill, you know, you're learning this ability on the fly, whether you realize or not, you know, you're dealing with it and learning with this ability to take more on. Yeah. And the concern is, I think that, you know, you're taking more on and for some people they're, they're points of, you know, where that starts to blow out the sides, everyone's different. And yeah. I don't think, you know, we really put this, yeah, you know, there's strategies and, and we've got some notes here which have been kind enough to, to send to me. There's, you know, six or seven points or five or six points. We don't get enough time to really put them into play and yeah. and they help us personally. But, you know, this is a Mental Mastery Golf podcast. There's no reason why some of the things that you're going to take us through now don't equally apply to your golf game. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's it's it also sort of, I suppose, all came together was this week sort of, you know, creating some content around some of these video programs that we've been talking about for a while now. And obviously with COVID, that sort of interrupted our ability to execute those uh, in the manner, time, you know, the time manner that what we, we wanted. But, you know, the program I've been doing some content around is the pre-round routine and how important it is just in how we feel in general, how our overall outlook on life and, and, and happiness and balance outside the golf course, how much that impacts our, our golf. And, you know, if we've got stressful situations at home or in the workplace, it's inevitable that that stress is going to be dragged over to the first tee, even though it has nothing to do with golf. So, you know, this is something that a lot of people can, can start to implement into their day-to-day rituals that helps them personally, but also will help them on the golf course because, you know, it is it is sort of a little bit of um, there's a bit of crossover there for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. But I just I really just thought it was a great time right now um, to to bring some of this content out and give some of the listeners um, just a few little sort of you know topics to to think about and some strategies to to possibly implement. It's definitely uh, for me giving me the time to think about changing some of this routine type behavior and you know for me you know getting into poor routines or or losing some focus on routine I seem to find that easier to do you know Mm -hmm. just through and I think it's excuse behavior you know excuse sort of patterns and you know that sort of behavior and I know that when I do put something in place I do stick to it and I usually stick to it for a long period of time so you know I've got the next five weeks you know the, the, the first week of this period's been a little bit of a I'm not going to say a break because I'm still technically working and the phone's ringing and, but it's very much a time for me to change some behaviours. And, you know, to the point where, you know, we've talked about stress before and people, I get the sense that people are looking to change their behaviours. People are looking to talk to people and it's such an important time to to use this time so wisely. So, you know, what are some of the things that we can look at doing in this time that are you know going to help us now, but going to help us in the future and help us with our golf game? Yeah, look, I think, you know, when we, we talk about mental health and, and uh, you know, the, the word that gets thrown around quite a bit and the process that gets thrown around quite a bit is meditation. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have a negative association with meditation. I know I did for a long time, just for a couple of reasons. One, to be able to sit still and sit quiet or observe your thoughts for an extended period of time, meaning 10 or 15 minutes, it doesn't have to be an hour, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, that's very uncomfortable for a lot of us because our minds are generally so active. When we're asking our mind to be still and calm and quiet, we can't do it. So 
for most of us, we don't like to do things that either we're uncomfortable with or we're not very good at. Mm. So, um, so meditation is something that I've been using an app called Calm. It's just a Calm app um, for probably the last two or three years, and a lot of my clients I recommend it because it's it's a great app as it has a lot of different. I'll, I'll call them programs, meditation programs. There's seven days of managing stress, 21 days of calm, for example. There's a gratitude program. Uh, uh, LeBron James has, has put up a, uh, a program around mental performance. Um, so they're guided meditations that only go for anywhere between 8 and 12 minutes, and they also help to provide you with some really important like cognitive skills around having an awareness of when your mind wanders or has a thought and just having the skill of bringing your mind's attention back to the present. And for golf, that is such an important skill. You know, when you're standing on the 13th fairway, you're hitting an approach shot into the green and your mind wanders to having 40 points or, you know, wanders to somewhere else, having that ability to, to recognise that and then bring it back to the present is really good because um, a lot of our stresses uh, actually just our mind detaching from the present. The further our mind gets away from the present moment, that's where a lot of our higher level stresses come from. So meditation for me is is a really great process, but there is also um, non-guided meditation. So just, you know, putting on some, some, some calm music, um, you know, might be some rain on top of a roof and just, sitting there and focusing on some breathing and just recognising, you know, your mind uh, when it's wandering, what thoughts are coming in, just, you know, having that skill of letting those thoughts pass by. And so for me that's a, that's a really important exercise. And I've been up here probably committing to two or three meditation sessions a day over the past probably two weeks. I had sort of started to Notice myself getting a little bit stressed the last three weeks or so just with everything to do with the house, the moving, all the stuff on my mind and, you know, my clients. And so I've been implementing, you know, a couple of sessions a day and it's just been phenomenal to see just how different, you know, I feel during the day and more importantly at nighttime when I go to sleep, my I just feel so much, you know, more at ease in ready to go to sleep. Now you mentioned they're guided and non-guided. Now. Yep. Just back to the non-guided and yeah. sort of thinking about in a golf application, a yeah. meditation doesn't need to be that 20 minutes of committed, you know, no. you, you can, from what I've learnt um, yeah. and read, you know, you can do a meditation session really, really quickly and efficiently. Yep, yep. And, you know, I think it was the Dalai Lama once said that, um, I can't remember the exact quote, but he meditates all day. Right. So his just state of being is a state of meditation, which is just an ability to recognise and be aware of where your mind's attention is mm. and once it wanders to just bring it back to the here and now. So that's a great process for golfers to do as they're warming up on the range. Are you focusing on the present moment? Are you present to what you're doing? Or is your mind wandering to... First tee nerves, worrying about the outcome, all things that are detached from the right here, right now. I think, so, you know, for any of the younger people that tune into this, and I know, you know, there are some uh, younger people, certainly much younger than, than myself and, and yourself, I'm not telling you what to do, but if I knew 
half of the insight into what Jamie's just mentioned then, when I was a younger person, I would be in a – I'm saying I wish I learnt that skill a long time ago is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. And on the the same, I I completely agree and recognise that my childhood, my teenage years as an elite tennis player, I was far from present. Mm. Um, And, you know, Chanda Ruff the other day, we sort of mentioned something about tour school last year, the final – final stage of tour school to get his card on the corn furry, probably the most stressful week of, of his of his career so far. And without giving too much away, he's spoken about it on the on the podcast prior. But you know, he just had RHRN at the top of his yardage book, put on every page of his yardage book. And all that was was right here, right now, which is just again a form of meditation. It's just bringing your mind back to the present moment. So using some of those anchors keywords to just trigger a state and, and, you know, trigger a meditative state, which is just right here, right now. So I think that is, um, is, a, is a great one, the, the guided meditation or non-guided for, you know, specifically for range warm-ups and, you know, between the, you know, the time you start warming up and the first tee, just helping your mind be calm and attached to the present is a very powerful process. Can those anchors be a visual thing? You know, like Ruff mentions that are right here, right now. Yep. I, I, I've actually got a, a visual anchor. and. Yep. And, you know, we haven't spoken about this, but it's an animal. Yeah. And I won't give away what the animal is because I'll keep that to myself, but it's an animal yep. that's significant to me on a number of aspects. And yep. and I find myself now when I want to get into that reframing space, yep. I think of that animal because yep. that animal means calm to me. Yeah, yeah. Is that an example of? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I mean, whenever we go through the anchoring process, we generally, you know, if, 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 if a player wants – a state of intensity, mm-hmm. you know, they, that's when they play their best golf. So a Bryson, for example, state of intensity. Mm-hmm. We'll look at, okay, what are, what are the three most intense moments in your life? Can you recall them? And then they'll go back and visualise and, and attach to what they were and, and then we use that. They might just, you know, on the range prior to, to really hitting balls, they might just go back and spend 90 seconds recalling, remembering that moment. Um, and then that will anchor that state of intensity, mm. um, you know. So that's just an example. There's probably not too many people in golf that want to attach to intensity, but whatever that state is for people, it is focused, calm, confident, arrogant, um, you know, quiet. Uh, it's just something that that, that people uh, people can attach to. So that that anchoring process, whether it be visual or or, or a word or auditory, it's um, yeah, visual is very powerful though. Well, there are some resources out there that you can go and self-explore and our job isn't to tell you exactly which ones, but, you know, yeah. you can find that out yourself. This is just something that, you know, you've had a lot of experience in and uh, and people should, you know, under their own volition and steam, go and have a look at. It's obviously meditation is very linked, as you mentioned before, to, to breathing. Yeah. And, and we've spoken about breathing in a number of, or a couple of podcasts previously. You know, you, you mentioned the box drill. What is the box drill and, you know, what can you help us with in terms of breathing? Yeah, so some people, you know, that don't like to meditate or they don't like meditation, then going through, you know, a three, four, five-minute, 10-minute breathing cycle, it just helps them to still create the same or access the same meditative state but just in a different way. They don't have any negative association to breathing, so they're going to step into that and commit to that a lot easier. So... The box drill is a, is a really great process to help regulate their breathing and regulate their heart rate as well, which is just a I, – I generally do it with, with players of 
a cycle of five. So the box drill is just four sides. So inhale for five seconds, hold the breath for five seconds, exhale for five seconds, hold that for five seconds and repeat. Okay, and it's still a very much a self-awareness exercise. If your mind wanders, just be aware of it, bring it back to the breath and bring it, bring it back to the count. And um, that's a really good exercise just to help increase focus, attention, um, but also an ability to control their breathing so that when they are on the golf course and are in a stressful sort of moment, they can recognise when their breathing gets a little bit shallow and gets a little bit quick and then they can actually apply that exercise on the golf course in real time. Mm. So, you know, they're walking down the fairway, um, they know they've got a big shot, they can feel their heart rate get up, then they can just focus on that on that box drill and uh, that can really start to regulate that heart rate and um, but also distracts their mind a little bit, gets their mind engaged on a really productive process as opposed to thinking about the future where, you know, that stress is going to get triggered. Really good circuit break here before you, you know, you, you lose, yeah. you lose it a little bit and just, you know, it's that one shot that could derail you. It's yeah. a really good circuit break. Anything else on breathing? Yeah, there's another great exercise that I've actually been practicing up here the last couple of weeks, which I really have loved. It's a four, it's, they call it the four, seven, eight, which is inhale for four, hold for seven and exhale for eight. That sounds okay. like a bit of, that sounds like a bit of work. Yeah, it's hard, but the exhale of eight is actually a quite an intense, like a, a really, you know, you're, you're really exhaling hard, um, making a whoosh sound. You're really getting rid of all that tension in your body and, and releasing it. And for me, that was a really good one and because we, we so often hold our breath so high up in our chest and our, our shoulders are up here near our ears and we hold a lot of tension in our shoulders and being able to really forcefully get rid of all that breath and in turn get rid of all that tension is fantastic. So, you know, I've been doing sort of five to ten sets of that four, seven, eight and, um, yeah, it's just I suppose the inhale of four is quite, you know, uh, I won't say it's quite firm. You're really sucking in air. Mm. The seven is the build-up of, I suppose, of tension. Um, you're holding it for seven. Then the eight is just letting it all out. And it's, you know, when you do that, you're really feeling like all the tension in your body is being released at the same time as all the all the air in your lungs is being released as well. And, and that's a really good one. I recommend that for anyone that is feeling quite stressed and is holding a lot of tension. Well, I think whether you're recognize stress in your life or not you know i think most people that you talk to on a daily basis can recognize that tension in their neck and their shoulders yeah. you know that that doesn't seem to be too far from yeah. anyone's sort of front of mind when you're talking to them about how they feel like oh, i'm really tight you know i know yeah. um alex my wife you know she's all you know always tight in there and i know yeah. believing that from her uh yeah. is a such a massive calming effect on her um yeah. so that's some you know physical things that we can do now, we talked with uh, Austin last week and, and we had a little bit of a discussion around journal writing. How does that link into, you know, this process and how, how, how is that going to help us on the golf course? Yeah, look, journal writing is a, a really interesting one because there's, there's different ways that we can actually use that process. And, um, you know, just simple journal writing at the end of the day, you can actually just 
write down your thoughts, your feelings, um, just what you're recognising that day. So a bit of a thought journal we call it where, you know, and you can do that throughout the day as well. Just recognise a thought that's popped up and you just write that down in your journal. Um, so throughout the day you compile this little bit of a thought journal which helps to just get you to recognise what some of those patterns of thinking are but also when we have a thought and we write it down, it's I suppose the the ability for that thought to return mm. actually is, is dramatically reduced because we've had the thought, we've recognised it, we've written it down, we've almost what I call it mental un mental downloading we just download that thought from our mind onto paper and it just frees up a little bit of that that space in our mind so that thought journal is a really good one i was going to ask in the in the teachings or the learnings yeah is, is there a more cognitive sequence if that's the right term and i'm trying to use probably words yep. that i'm not qualified to use but you know in the art of on the active actual thing of writing yep. versus yep. taking notes on a computer the simple answer is no, Right. but the thing that I've started to get people to do, which is, actually, I'm going to contradict myself now because I'm going to say yes. Um, the last couple of years, the, th- the thing that I've started to do with, with clients is when they have a feeling, they don't write down, I felt X, I felt stressed or I felt anxious. They write down, I noticed I was feeling Mm-hmm. anxious so they what that does is that diffuses the anxiousness or diffuses the anxiety in being part of them it's just they notice that's how they felt that's not how they are mm. so yeah so there's we want to use that um that awareness of i notice that i'm feeling this or i notice that i was thinking this so that that feeling or that thought doesn't become us. Mm-hmm. It's just something that we noticed. I noticed that there was a mosquito on my arm then I brush it away and now it's gone. That's what thoughts and emotions are. They come and they go and that's okay, but we don't want to attach them to being us. Who we are, yeah. Yeah, who we are. So, um, so that's where it's you know, a really good process of, of being able to get people to recognise that I noticed I thought this, I noticed that I felt that, doesn't really mean anything. It's just that's just the natural part of being a human. Yeah, we think and we feel things, but they come and they go, and you know we don't we don't necessarily need to own them, identify with them, or uh, or attach to them. But um, so yeah, that's that's a really good one to help people to also become more self aware. You know, anytime we can improve self awareness, then I think we're we're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and another another thing from a golf-specific point of view with journaling is what we call the confidence journal, which is actually at the end of a practice session or at the end of a round of golf, sit down and write down three or five things that you did really well and try and be as specific and descriptive as you can. So if you were to do a chipping session, write down, okay, I really noticed that I was just really focused on my rhythm and my timing um, and I did a really great job of blocking out the worry or concern around the outcome. You know, being specific and descriptive just helps to to plant that image, plant that memory uh, in the front of the mind that we can sort of, you know, tap into uh, next time we perform. So that's a really great process and something that Herbie did in Dubai at the start of this year. He 
really went through writing down a lot of confidence-related things in a journal, watched a lot of highlights on, on YouTube of him playing, and um, which was more of a visual journal. And, um, you know, he said he felt, you know, just fantastic that week because of some of those little processes. Um, he even mentioned it in his post-round uh, press conference on the green after he, uh, he won the event, just, you know, writing down things that, uh, that he did well. So it's a very powerful process, that one. I believe in in what we're talking about. Obviously, that's why we're doing this. And if you're yeah. listening, that's why you know you have this um, you know growth focused focused mindset. And so, affirmations. Yep. Does that lead journal writing and affirmations? Are they linked? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's all we're basically trying to do is create some structure around feeding your brain some empowering content, some empowering language, some empowering patterns. Um, so, you know, people that have a negative self-belief, all that's been happening is they've been engaging in an unproductive narrative around what they're capable of. So an affirmation is just creating a statement that they can read over and over and over again to help create a new narrative. Now, as you know with me, I'm not a big believer on this, I call it fluffy positive self-talk, this narrative of, I am the best or I'm going to do this. It, it always have to, has to relate or has to have something, you know, uh, tangible to work from, something that you've looked at in the past and gone, yes, I do believe that statement. We can't just make up statements because they sound good. You actually have to believe that what you're saying is true. Otherwise, that's a more unproductive pattern. So, you know, an affirmation may be, you know, Today, in every way, I'm going to enjoy every challenge that I have on the golf course today. Or today, in every way, I'm going to be focused on one shot at a time. Or today, in every way, I'm going to completely commit to hitting a good shot and letting go of the fear of a poor shot or whatever it might be. And just having that affirmation, and again, Austin spoke about it you know, in, in that last episode about his mantra, just repeating something to help ingrain uh, you know, a, a focus and attention on a pattern that's going to help you perform, whether it help you enjoy your round of golf more or help you actually to perform better. It's just a statement that you just reread over again so we can create a, a completely new narrative. Um, and I've had people put post-it notes of that affirmation on their, on their you know, their bedroom wall, the toilet door, on the fridge, uh, on their steering wheel, just, you know, on their glove, Um you know, that, that's, that's all an affirmation is. It can be one word, it can be a statement, but you just repeat it over and over again. Everything that I've read would tell you that if you do that, it can change your thinking. It can re, reprogram the way that you see and think. Now, um, this is an area where for me, you know, and I talked about it at the start, you know, making excuses and that type of excuse, you know, yep. avoidance sort of pattern, which, you yep. know, I have to really work hard on being better at yep. and, you know, using busy travel, you know, travel as in commuting, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, as a way of avoiding exercise when yeah. I know it's important. Using yeah. just playing golf, you know, once or twice a week when I'm lucky yeah. enough to do that as yeah. an excuse for exercise. Now, that shouldn't be my exercise. It's exercise, of course, but, yeah. you know, that whole sweat mentality or, or whatever yeah. way you do that, that's yeah. the type of excuse that I make and I find myself just getting away from it. Yeah. And one of the things I'm trying to build back into – you know, myself at the moment, it's a massive part of what you do 
It's yeah. a massive part of linking all of every you know these four points above together. Yeah. yeah look, exercise, and I'll put you know the the three things I'll put here. I'll you know the exercise, the eating habits, the sleeping patterns. We'll we'll throw them all in the one basket and discuss them as one whole because they are so interrelated and and just so important. Like when we look at exercise, this was one of the main reasons why Jackie and I really decided to want to stay up here a bit longer. Um, Even before stage four, we decided to stay up here um, was the fact that we could exercise. We could go for a morning walk on the beach. We could go for a sunset walk on the beach. We could use Herbie's gym. That exercise for us is such an important part to our overall well-being, I'm going to say we use that physical component, the the, the exercise, as thirty percent physical well-being and seventy percent mental well-being, because when we commit to exercise and we commit to training, we're sending ourselves. We're always communicating something to ourselves, Roscoe. No matter what we do, mm. yep. we're always sending ourselves a message. Now, if we don't exercise and we don't get up and we don't make ourselves a priority. We're saying we're not worth it. We're saying we don't deserve it and we're not enough. Mm. Now, then what happens is you look at what pattern that may trigger throughout the day when it comes to eating habits. You know, when you've, you've got a, uh, you know, a decision to make whether I'll, I'll get the donut or I'll get a piece of fruit. Like if you're saying that you're not worth it, well then, and most of us have this connection to food that makes us feel better. A donut makes me feel better because it tastes better. Um, But it's ultimately feeding an unproductive pattern in our decision-making and our self-worth. And so for me, exercise is a really great opportunity to get some endorphins being released, get some really good quality self-talk, pat yourself on the back, um, which really then triggers your decision-making for the rest of the day. If you've done a workout and feel great about yourself, you're probably going to want to eat a bit better because mm. you put the work in. And then you just start this steamroll effect and it's it's amazing. You know, it really is for me, it's it's phenomenal. What's the the reading on that period of time to change behaviour or change a routine or change a habit yeah. from your, your um, learnings? Uh, to, to me, that whole philosophy around 21 days to break a, you know, break a habit and all that sort of stuff, it's been challenged that many times that I don't think there's a number because, I mean, and, and we're all different. Some people can go cold turkey, bang, straight into it, and then they've changed a the pattern straight away. Yeah. Um, other people are, you know, a little bit different. So I think depending upon what type of person you are, create a little bit of fluidity, a bit of flexibility. Um, but for me, there's there's nothing better than putting a plan in place that you can manage in executing that plan, whether it's eating patterns, uh, losing weight, getting fitter, exercising. You know, if you're not, if you're someone that hasn't exercised a lot, then you're going to say, I'm going to exercise an hour a day every day. Well, you're probably not. Yeah. You know, start slowly, exercise, you know, three times a week for a half an hour, I'm going to walk or whatever it may be. Um, Do something that's going to make you feel good about what you're doing, not set yourself up for failure, which is ultimately going to make you feel bad, which is, you know, what stopped you from getting started in the first place. And it's an important thing 
to say that, you know, set yourself up for success, not failure. And so many parts of life, training, yep. business, yep. personal relationships, yep. you know, it, it's a great mantra to have set yourself up for success and not failure. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, we've spoken a lot about that with expectation management yep. and about building blocks, you know, instead of having a goal of 36 points when you go and play, have it of 30 points or more because yep. you're creating an environment where there's opportunity for a lot more positive reinforcement. Mm. Um, and we know how well we thrive with positive reinforcement. So why would we not create a, an environment that, that just helps us to succeed no matter what the outcome is? Now, just a, a bit of a sidebar, um, and I know a lot of people question, uh, not question, a lot of people are interested in this topic. You yeah. know, you're a user, I think Herbie a user, and it links into exercise and behaviour and eating and sleep and everything like yeah. that. Uh, yeah. The Whoop band, what's, yeah. you know, yeah. I've not used a Whoop, but what, what yeah. are you getting from using a Whoop? Yeah, look, it's... um. I think for me, the whoop band just shows a little bit about what your patterns are. So when you wake up, you've got to answer a couple of questions um, that you put in a journal and it spits out your recovery. So what percentage is your body fully recovered from the days prior? So if you have a really high strain day, so you've ran 10 kilometres, um, you know, you're, you're stressed at work, uh, then it factors in your sleep patterns. It measures your sleep patterns. It measures your, you know, um, your heart rate variability, which is, you know, um, which is important for health. Um, and it spits out this percentage recovery. So it basically just helps you to understand your formula for being at, uh, they call it peak state. Um, you're either at your peak state, you perform, or you're going to get by. So if you've got a recovery of 20%, don't think about doing anything of a high quality that day because you just don't have the energy levels. Yeah. So yeah, for me, it's it's um it's shown the importance of sleep and shown the importance of napping, like having a nap throughout the day. Just a lot of people don't have that flexibility to to have a nap, but it really just shows everyone the importance of sleep. And you know, LeBron uh, in his uh, meditation series on calm spoke about every single day. Before a, uh, before a game, he would have a 45-minute nap, I think it was. Now, if he had an 11 o'clock game in the morning, he would schedule his wake-up training session, then a nap, and then get ready for the game. So he might have a nap at 8 o'clock in the morning, which means that he'd have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to fit his warm-up in, his training in, then have his nap, and then get ready for, uh, you know, his game. So... He would um, he prioritised the nap every day, and he he said it was a really important part of just making sure he was able to perform at his best. So, sleep and napping is uh, is incredibly uh, incredibly powerful as well. You're getting some good uh, nap opportunities up there in Queensland at the moment, mate. I had a nice little nap today. So obviously my, my whole my whole time zone shifted because we're getting up early because of the sun's getting up and. But I have been able to have a couple of naps and, and definitely recognise when I need them and, uh, and yeah, they're, they're super important. Mate, I think uh, that's super valuable. You know, we've talked about some meditation. Uh, go off and, you know, do some investigation into that and, you know, opportunities to put that into place, breathing, the journal writing, affirmations and the importance of exercise, eating and the power of food and how that affects your, your state. I think uh, 
I think that's some super valuable stuff there for people to you know, just refocus on at this time. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think one last thing that I would love to touch on before mm. we go, especially yes. with, with this time and, and how crazy the media is and the stories that are being, being out there, but I think just in general for us, is getting offline, spending some time away from mm. technology, turn your phone off, which I'm not great at and I'm the first to admit that, that that's not something I've been very good at for a long time. But the other day uh, Jack and I went for a walk on the beach and I left my phone in the car, which is probably the first time I've done anything like that, to be honest. If I'm doing a workout, my phone's there for music. But I could not believe how peaceful I was internally just by having the phone there. I was like... I'll come back to it. It's going to be there. You know, I'm not going to miss anything super important. Um, and it just really helped me to just de-stress a little bit and just be present. So, um, you know, I'd recommend people just putting some time aside every now and then or a couple of times a day where they're just offline um, and just recognise the impact that that might have on, on themselves. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, through the time that we're all going through, I think just helping people to have a couple of little processes they can commit to each day that help manage those stress levels. I think it's going to be, you know, really beneficial for their overall mental well-being, but also for when, you know, they do get back out uh, on the golf course to um, help them, you know, help them get to the first tee in, uh, in a much healthier sort of mental uh, state of mind. Absolutely, mate. I reckon that is a wonderful way to sign off on. It's certainly something I need to do. I When, when people are telling me and my staff are telling me you're always on your f- on your phone, like yeah. not not in front of them, not, not at work yeah. in front of the customers, but they know that when I'm not there with them, they know yeah. when I'm on the phone and yeah. they all yeah. sort of talk behind my back going, he's always on his phone. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's certainly something that I need to, to work yeah. on and, and I get reminded of that from, uh, from Alex all the time. I'm with you on that one. So it's – Everybody – Please stay well out there, stay safe, stay healthy, and, of course, you know, always don't be afraid to reach out and talk to, to someone. Yeah. Jamie, it's been great to catch up with yourself once again. I'm enjoying our chat, so I'm enjoying seeing you up there and, you know, up there in Queensland and, and learning and doing your exercise and all of the other stuff that you're getting to do. I'm, I'm envious, but, uh, but, uh, not really, you know, like I'm happy down here, but, uh, you know, I, I would do wish I was up there in the sand on the morning walks with you, mate. Yeah. Look, I reiterate, mate, uh, just the thoughts with everyone down there in Melbourne. Hope everyone's staying safe. And, uh, yeah, what you said about reaching out and talking. Yeah. It's such an important thing if, if you are struggling. So, uh, you know, I'm here if anyone, you know, wants to chat or, you know, family members, reach out to them. It's uh, it's an important part of um, staying well during this time. So uh, wish everyone the best. Beautiful, guys. Thank you very much for listening once again. And until next time we meet, thanks for joining us on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to daretodream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program, Eight Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast.